All right, you ready? I am. We'll just wing it. Um, yeah. Don't laugh at the intro. This is what Frank came up with. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just be so, I'll just, I'll just gonna, <laughs> I might just mute myself. Then... <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's go. We're doing this in one take. No editing. Straight face. Yo, 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 what's good? Addicts Gang. Uh, different episode for you today. I'm actually with Super Coaching Guru. Uh, we're going to talk AFL Super Coach today. How to win 50 grand with Witty. How you doing, man? How's things? Hello, Andy. Long time no here. Long time no see. Lovely to see your medals and everything up on the wall there. Hopefully, add a Super Coach winner's tag to that. So, yeah, good to get back into the season. Been a long time, long off season. Yeah, it is so, the yeah. um, it is the NFL off season, which is what we do here. If you want to uh, follow along, follow us on Twitter at the FB Addicts and the Instagram at the Fantasy Addicts. How professional am I, James? <laughs> um, that's yeah, you're very well rehearsed. It's much easier to get into it with you being well rehearsed. I can't imagine me being the lead on this. I could be doing it fifty times. No, I'm, um, I've done this. It's not my first rodeo. Is that the same? Um, anyway. I sat down in year seven and uh, had no friends and um, sat next to this man on the recording and um, he pulled up the super coach tab and then we became friends. So um, let's talk about it, James. AFL super coach to the listeners. We're just going to go through structure, players we're looking at, uh, a bit of everything. So James, why are you locking in Marcus Bond and Pally this year? Talk to me. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm on the fence about the bond. He's come in and out as many times as I can count thus far. I'm not going to bother asking if you've got him locked in, but, yeah, I don't know. It's a toss-up between him and Neil at the moment. Yeah, so just a, a quick um, talk about ourselves. I'm a Western Bulldogs fan, um, pretty one-eyed. My dad is a Bulldogs fan, his dad is a Bulldogs fan, and then his dad is probably a Bulldogs fan, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I'm rolling with – how many do I have right now? Four right now. Five. Five dogs right now. So that's – you know, I always do that. But, um, Witty, you are a proud North Melbourne fan. So um, how many North – Proud and unashamed North fan. I, I'm well and truly loud and clear about my love and – more so hatred in recent years for this football club. But where it's looking good. Clarko's back, you know, presuming he can hold off without any more without any more troubles. But one North player this year so far, but hopefully looking to add to that with a few more a few more rooks coming through. So just Will Phillips for now, but I think he might have the goods. Second year, obviously out most of last year, didn't really get a chance to to do too much. So but he looked good, looked good against the Tigers last week. So promising signs. Look at you, promising signs. You're already a podcasting man. Um, James, I would just <laughs> run through the, the structure that I've seen a lot. Um, so listeners, sure. um, stop skipping now. We're getting into it. Um, it's go a uh, lot. <laughs> Light in defence, I'm seeing. Um, and then um, it's, it's not really guns and rookies, but it's kind of is the same thing. So you go, it's kind of you pick your one premium defender and then you go uh, mid-prices and rookies because that's where all the value seems to be. And then your midfielder is more your traditional picky guns. And then there's there's a few mid-prices that I've seen around in a lot of teams. Um, Rux is a fucking shambles. I don't know what to do there. And then forwards is pretty much guns and rookies, unless you're in that five guy. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll start in defence. Um, right now I'm rocking one premium, 
and then two mid prices. So I'll just tell you, I'm rocking Nick Dacos D1 King, and then Elliot Yo Jack Bowes Nick Caulfield. Just to really spice things up, and then rookies. Um, you hate that, or if you do, you hate that, or do you have like a do you have a six hundred thousand plus guy? Do you have like the Jack Sinclair, James Sisley? Who else is it? Tom Stewart, uh, Jordan Dawson. Do you have one of those guys? So I'm glad you asked. I don't have one of those guys. I actually have two. So I've gone the double barrel Sicily into Stewart, but I don't. I don't hate uh, the Bose pick. I don't. I don't know about going with Dates at D1. Not too sure about that pick. I think there's. I think there's a bit of value to be had in, and a bit of smart to be had in picking up a Sicily or a Stewart this early. I think they're, barring any catastrophes, they're locked in top six, top four, maybe even top two, compared to a Dacos who, who despite being probably a future, at least two-time Brownlow winner, real hot real hot take there. But um, the tag, a little bit of a worry. Is a little bit hard to tag it at half back, but did get done a couple of times last year, and with all the hype around him, might be, might just be something to keep an eye on. But at 500k, hell of a lot of value, and I definitely think there's scope there too. If he starts the season out on fire, as he very much could, there's scope there to move up from a yo and down from potentially another misperforming uh, mid pricer or even a misperforming premium, especially with the extra trade. I think it's it's a year to go aggressive in terms of players that you're on the fence about. And if they start hot, then there's no time to waste really in getting them in, especially at that discounted price. Yeah, well, I, just my thinking is I don't really like any of the other mid-prices or rookies as much as the de- defensive line. So, um, you know, as you said, Sicily and Tom Stewart are, you know, they're, they're the kings back there. Uh, I I feel like I fade them every year and they bite me in the ass every year. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to do it again. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being heavily influenced by Ben Circle in the chat, just, <laughs> just whacking his cock over Nick Dacos every day. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I'll just list the rookies that you guys should be looking out for in defence. I'm not going to pretend I'm a rookie analysis or like analysis. And uh, or there we go, Jack. Analysts. That's yeah, why you did. Um, but guys that are looking at maybe getting around one start, uh, um, your boy from the Kangas, what's his name? Gota. What's his first mm. name? Josh, Josh Gota. Josh Gota. Mm. Uh, one to another one. To, another one to watch. Bit expensive though. Yeah. Bit expensive. <laughs> and we've got Ruben Ginby from uh, West Coast. Connor McKenna from Brisbane, Josh Weddle from the Hawks, um, Darcy Wilmot from the Bears, oh, Lions, sorry, um, and that's that's Simon coming out of me there. Calls him the Bears still. Uh, Lockie Cowan from the Blues, uh, Charlie Constable from the Suns is a he's a defender mid, and then there's oh this who's that guy from West Coast. Uh, Chess Campbell Chesser. I was uh, funny. I was going to say you've saved the best for last. The raps on Campbell Chesser are rather high at the moment, and obviously it's hard to go off one game, and it was pretty hard to catch most of the practice matches. Not only with the one camera, but also I was away last week. But yeah, he's one that's certainly been thrown up a hell of a lot through the season, and very keen to watch him play this week and see. Sort of what role he's got, whether he's starting with the ones, what the minutes look like. And obviously they're not going to be doing too much this year. So I can imagine that playing the kids, especially ones that look as talented as he does, should be a pretty high priority. Obviously you've got the Crows this week. Another team that, to be honest, probably won't do much this year. And so hopefully can get, get a good read on what he might be able to produce for us. <laughs> Sorry, you just sound so professional. It was brilliant. Um, I'm going to have to edit some this out. No, there's no edits, James. We we keep rolling. Um, Yeah, so as I said to the listeners, you know, there's how many names is that? Like seven defender names. So 
um, people to look out mm. for. But, you know, rookies kind of dictate your structure. So um, that's why I'm going light light in defence with Elliot Yo and uh, just the one premium. I think Elliot Yo is a lock, surely. 330k. I think after... Sorry to cut you off. I think after last weekend when he showed that he could potentially, maybe not all-time best form, averaging, I think, at one point, he's two, I think both seasons were 107 and, and change. Not necessarily saying that we're expecting that from him this year, but even, you know, if he's touching 90s, he's well and truly making us 150K. It could be whether it's a, a D6, D7, could get mid status as well. And so whether he's your last upgrade or if he kicks on, even potentially D6. But Nick Caulfield is one that I want to talk about. Sort of wondering what your thoughts are on how he fits into potentially the Saints lineup and how that might affect his sort of scoring potential. Well, James, the Saints, they just have this weird, like, defenders that just, like, intercept marks and they're just an annoying team. But I feel like he's he's really good at that role if he gets it, you know, being that intercept third defender kind of kind of player, which Supercoach just love that. Like, there's no – this is pet peeve about Supercoach. There's no set scoring, like, format. Like, you don't know why they're scoring the amount of points. You get mad that Bont scores 150 after two touches every year. I love it personally. But, um, yeah, just, like, the intercepting defenders, it's – yeah, it's overpowered. I don't know what the gaming kids say, but – um. Yeah, I think if he gets a start, he looked good in the twos. He's coming back from an ACL, which kind of sucks, but um, 208k. Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like the pick. You don't, or where are you leaning? No, I I do. I think primarily at this stage, I obviously we didn't see him last year, and then yeah, no footy. Only played the one trial match thus far. I'm keen to see whether he gets more midfield time. If I recall correctly, was drafted as as a midfielder. And so I'm interested to see if he gets a role through there or whether it's going to be more of a, a half-back sort of role. But at his peak, I think it was 79, I've got down here, 79, 80, uh, peak average. Can't, I think that was two years ago now, two, three years ago now, last time he wasn't injured, but could be one to, could be one to pick. I think at this stage, McKenna... Mm, originally was one that I was considering, but I think he might be might be a little bit on the nose at the minute. Twenty twenty, there you go. So four, three, four seasons ago now, the Caulfield, but potential for him to come back to that. Although in that season, it is interesting to note he did only make the one twenty k while averaging eighty, and only played sixteen games. So it has got a bit of injury history. But if there's nobody else, could be could be somebody to start with. Yeah, and he's uh, from memory, he's handsome. Is that right? Pretty sure he is. Um, but you know, someone, someone to root for. Um, that that covers defense. Just real quick, um, Jack Sinclair. Nah, too too pricey. So my rule, super coach, the last two years. This has worked both years has been to fade the highest-priced midfielder. And I'm starting to think that might also work in defence. No matter who they are, just fade them because it's too much money, especially if they're over 700K. Obviously, he's not. But he's one player that I think will be affected by guys like Hunter Clark coming back, Steele hopefully touch wood for all of our teams getting through the season this time, um, not being struck down again. And Coffield coming back as well. I think there's a lot of... A lot of pie to be filled in that Saints team. And it's a question for me whether he can hit the same heights again. At 8% ownership, he's very much a, a POD and would be would be a bit of a risk in my book as the most expensive player compared to guys like Sicily and guys like Stewart where they're clearly the best player in the team. They haven't just done it sort of once off one season. They've been consistent over the last sort of three to five years, barring that Sicily ACL season. So personally fading him, but if he goes hot, I mean, it's, you know, I doubt he stays at 630 the whole season. Could be happy to to pick him up for a little bit cheaper than that down the line. But Doherty's one I'm 
sort of tossing up with. It's no secret he's well and truly one of my boys. Uh, and with the potential of increased mid-minutes this year, he's one that I had to look at. But as you say, the mid-prices do seem to be in defence, sort of dictating what we're doing there. And so I think it's going to be hard to fit him in with Sicily and Stewart. Yeah, I agree. I think optimally you want you want two of these guys um, and maybe a cheaper day cost with these guys. Jordan Dawson is one as well um, that I would consider. I just don't like him. don't know why. I just you know, kind of doesn't do it for me. But, um, yeah, so pick two of Sinclair, Sisley, Stewart, Doherty, Dawson, Dacos, and then Yo's a lock, and then your Bows, Caulfields, and rookies, I guess. Witty, you have your hand up. Mm, one point to make, Dacos owned by 49% of the competition. So could be – so for, at the moment for me, it's a big fade. But could be potentially, especially if he comes out, I'm not sure what day they play this week, but if he comes out in the practice game and is running rings around everybody, could be, oh, they play the Hawks, it's probably not going to tell us too much. But if he's running rings around everybody, there is the there is the risk of having him as a reverse sort of, a reverse POD uh, and somebody that could cost us points. But Stuart and Sicily, 36 and... 22% respectively. It's not like they're not like their major pods. So could be something to look at. May also, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but in terms of the ruck situation, if it turns out that both Grundy and Gorn aren't viable, sort of spoiler alert, Grundy's my sort of my lock at the moment or my pick at the moment just because of that sort of reduced price point and the potential that he plays enough ruck time to ruck up some points, but if that's not the case and we need to go back to an English sort of sexy Rowan approach, I think most people are looking at it at the moment, um, obviously pending his fitness, which is always seems to be a problem when Tim English discussions come around. Uh, if that does have to happen, a Sicily to a Dacos and then a Grundy to a English could be a move. That'll also free up a little bit of spare cash to then potentially upgrade around as well, potentially get some of those more expensive rookies in that at the moment I've been fading. Yeah, 49%. That's insane. Is it just pies, fans? Just, I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, where do you want to move to? Mids? I think that's the that's the logical progression, move to the mids. Um, All right, I James. As I... Oh, no, you want to bring us into the midfield. I'll, 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 I'll lead us off, So. In terms of the mids, again, as I touched on earlier, the sets are sort of 700k rule, hell of a lot of money, probably a little bit too much to spend on on one player. Uh, and unfortunately, despite the fact I got him for cheap and he really carried me through the second half last year, probably means we're fading uh, Rory Laird for now, as much as that hurts me. But that's a rule that completely arbitrary, no science behind it whatsoever, but has, has done me well in the past couple of years. And so for now, he's he's on the nose. In 15% of teams, probably a little bit more than I thought he would, but certainly lower numbers than the other, some of the other big picks that we're going to be looking at and going through. Yeah, so what I've seen in, um, you know, on the Twitters, um, just with normal, I don't know, super coaching teams that are around, it's three or four big guns and then Tom Green, Jacob Hopper, every, every man and their dog have those two, and rightfully so, lock them in, listeners. Um, and then it's, you know, your Ashcroft, Phillips, and your other rookies that we'll get into later. But um, I think you can only really have one of Laird and Oliver because it just really breaks the bank. Um, and then maybe two more of, you know, Neil, Took, Mills, Bond, McRae that are, you know, 630 and above, and then pair them with you know one of your cheaper guys like I think you're all on the Jack Steele bandwagon I've seen a lot of Patrick Cripps yeah yeah I've seen a lot of Cripps guys Tom Mitchell guys um I'm personally a Darcy Parish king you know um you got Darcy Parish have you got Parish in at the moment yeah so I'm rocking Rory Laird, Bond, McRae, Parish, Tom Green, Hopper, Ashcroft, Phillips so it was was Laird, Bond, McRae Parish, yeah, Tom Green, Hopper, Ashcroft, Ashcroft Phillips. Phillips. Okay, yeah, right. Um, okay, that's that's a big call. I don't know what I think about. I'm 
So I've gone almost oh, almost the opposite. So Oliver, Neil, McRae, Steele, and then the four that everybody's got, Green, Hopper, Ashcroft, and Phillips. Um, I don't think we need to spend too much time on your Tom Green's, Jacob Hopper's, Will Ashcroft's, and Will Phillips. Um, Green only in 26% of teams, probably a little bit lower than your Twitter feed would indicate. But everybody else, the other the other throuple, um, yeah, in every man and their dog's team. And as you said, probably with good reason, good roles, and just unbelievable players, respectively. Uh, will look like they're going to be unbelievable players. But no, Oliver, I don't, I can't personally get behind that. He's almost the first pick in my team. And I, it almost seems like an omen that he's 699,800. He's just below my, just below my 700K cutoff. And he's a, he's a captain VC every week for me. More than a, more than a Laird is. Um, I feel like he's got a, a higher ceiling, although Laird might be. More consistent. Oliver seems to get tagged out of at least one game every year that drops his drops his price down. But I think the value is just the value is a bit too high for for me to leave him out of the list. But that, that's sort of just me. Um, if you're a if you're a layered guy, he's certainly not gonna certainly not gonna let you down. But personally, I'd be going personally, I'd be going Clary. Yeah, well, my um, thought process, James, and you can call me dumb for this, but I feel like if if Clary has his 200 game in the first five weeks, well, then I'm fucked. Like, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. But if he gets tagged out of one early and then his price plummets, you can get him. But Roy Laird, I feel like, in the wise words of Aiden Murphy, is a super coach pig or a super coach slut, as he used to say. Um, he's just 125 every single week. Oh, there, there's not a crazy ceiling. There's no floor with him. So I feel like he's not going to deviate as much as Oliver, which is why I've gone that way. But no, Clayton Oliver is really scary. And it's probably the first thing I'll do when I'm looking at fan footy at quarter time is like, fuck, he's on 50. And then you just you just hate him like. Um, Bodden McRae, I've picked because I'm a Bulldogs guy. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you pick them. Um, I just like watching my team and watching the players on my team. I do really think they're going to be top eight mids. Um, Dunkley's gone, mid-minutes come up for both of these players, I think. Um, and I just think both of them will go really well this year. Um, Parrish, for me, um, I don't know, I just really like him. Kind of looks like an Amor, if you, you know... Um, you want to go that way. Um, he's a clearance king, and he averaged one eighteen to the buy last year, Woody, and then he had that calf thing, which really fucked my season. But um, yeah, he was he was really good to the buy. Um, I think he can be a top eight mid. He's only in like five percent of teams. I like to have a little pod that you can really get behind, and he's going to be mine. So uh, I have no problem with any of the mids I mentioned. I kind of do have a problem with Crips. Andy Brayshaw, love, I don't really understand. Tom Mitchell, love, I don't get either. Um, I don't like the Tom so, Mitchell. Sorry. So just get... on all three of those, I'm in agreement mostly. Crips, I, I'll i be honest, I haven't really considered Crips, mostly because he sort of just fell off a little bit last year. I think there are just a couple of better options. It's also important to remember that prior to last year, he was – the trap of all traps for what seemed like an eternity, what seemed like the last five years of playing Supercoach. Um, yeah, just looking at... So, run home strong, started strong. That shit, there was a good stretch there, good five, good month, five-week stretch where it didn't break the ton. And this was in his... This is in his crazy year, as opposed to the years that he had previously. So, I think... I don't know. I don't know if he does it again. If he does, happy to happy to eat my words on that one. Andy Brayshaw, love. I'm. This is one I do know a bit about. I'm a huge Andy. I feel like I picked him last three years in Supercoach, never to start, and he's always my first. He's almost always my first upgrade, but that's because he gets tagged out of games, and he's got consistently tagged out of games, again for as long as I can remember now. Um, Vice-captain, as announced yesterday, don't reckon that's really going to impact him sort of one way or the other. He's a gun and just generally really good at football. But there, 
is uh, does seem to be an increased susceptibility to the tag when it comes to him. And I know at one point he's going to shit out a 50 and potentially a 60 the next week. And then in two, three weeks from that is the time to the time to pounce and time to pick him up. I can definitely see him coming into the team at some stage, but starting with him, I personally would personally would not advocate for that. Especially at a six fifteen price when you've got steel around that price. McRae's only twenty K off that. And I think, especially with McRae, he looks he looked really good from the brief bits of the game I saw and just reading those that were at the game. Does definitely seem to be back on it after well a lean year, but only by his own standards last year, after being the Super Coach King for the previous two years or so. Um, yeah, yeah I don't know. I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah, just for these. No, these, you go. You go. Yeah, sorry. Just for these premiums, like if you like watching Lucky Neil pick Lucky Neil, if you like watching Tuke Miller pick Tuke Miller. You know, I feel like these maybe guys. Don't pick, maybe don't pick. Um, maybe don't pick Tuke Miller after the hamstring scare a couple of weeks ago. But apart from that, I would. Yeah. I would tend to agree. I think. Yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. If you like Callum Mills, pick Callum Mills. Um, yeah, but I think the structure is to have four of these guys if you can facilitate it with your money. Um, you know, Led, Oliver, Neil, Mills, Bont, McRae, uh, Parish for me, Steele for you. And then you really have to lock in your Tom Green, um, Hopper, Ashcroft, Phillips, some other rookies, James, uh, Charlie Constable, Oscar Baker. Um, who else? Who else? What other rookies you got rocking in your team at the minute? Um, so Connor, Connor Blakely is currently uh, chewing up space on my bench. Constable uh, is also in my midfield at the moment. He could get flicked back to defence pending the availability of certain rookies. I've always liked Connor Blakely as a player, especially when he's not tagging. I feel like he gets a lot of the ball, despite maybe not using it as well as he could. Um, very much fell out of favour at Frio, and yet to see whether he's going to get a proper go at the Gold Coast. But at 123k for somebody who's, you know, never been a super coach star in the past, but certainly hasn't been... Um, Hasn't been the worst player getting around, you know, average of 90 in 2017, 85, 2018. He's definitely got scope to scope to do bits. And I think if given an opportunity, could could go okay. Obviously, Gold Coast have the big three in the midfield, but even just a rotation, maybe even a little bit of half back. We did a bit of that at Frio. Um, but yeah, at 123k, you're not taking a punt at somebody that's, you know, overpriced Alar McKenna and with no real history of scoring Alar McKenna again. So I think he's a if he's named, he's a good he's a good pick. Yeah, and like if they get named round one, that'll obviously determine who you pick here. But like Josh Thin is another one, Matthew Johnson is another one I've seen in a lot of teams. But Witty, just quickly two minutes. Um Dom Sheed, Finn Callahan. I've seen a bit of love for those two. I'm personally out. But uh, give me your takes on both them. So I'm a big Dom's cheat guy. Obvious reasons being that, you know, grand final hero. It's made everybody happy, you know. But, you know, presuming you don't follow the pies. Um, I'm personally probably avoiding that one. But I think he's, he's a watch, but I'm not picking him over a Tom Green or a Jacob Hopper or a Will Ashcroft. I don't think he's in the same in the same sort of bracket. Um, came back midway last year, only the one game. Um, yeah, really, I had him stuck on my bench in draft. I picked him up, I think, when he was meant to be five weeks out from coming back. Didn't come back for eight weeks, played one game, and then was out for the rest of the year. So he's he's in my bad books at the moment, and his last full season only averaged 82. So I don't think, even though at 332, He's probably priced at, what's that, probably about uh, 65, 70. I don't know the exact math on that, but that's not, even if he matches that slightly above, that's probably not worth, again, it's the exact same price as Jacob Hopper. And when he's in 9% of teams and Hopper's in everyone's team, everyone with a brains team, it's probably not probably not the move to, to fade him, especially if you're one of the Paris or Parish, sorry, or Brayshaw Kings that are already sort of taking a risk in that midfield. And Witty, just quickly, Finn Callahan, yes, no. 
Yeah, high draft pick. Uh, hell of a lot of raps coming out of junior footy. I think it was last year's draft. Not last year, year before draft. Only the five games last year didn't show a whole lot, but we all know what uh, Liam Cameron Curse can do to people. Stop trains, uh, as we like to say. But, yeah, interested to see how he goes. Not Definitely not starting him. Certainly given 400k more than Will Ashcroft. And as we say, he looks like an absolute freak and certainly not somebody to leave out. And I don't think that you can afford to pick both of them when everybody's already, as you said, picking Hopper as well and Phillips. Not a whole lot of room to, to pick him. But again, if you start top, there's always room to room to manoeuvre around a little bit and see if you can't work a bit of money, maybe even if it's a constable back in the defence for a yo who's broken down already, which I don't think would really surprise anybody. Um, or if a Caulfield is misfiring, there's scope to get him back in. But at this stage, it's a it's a miss and a watch in the in the preseason. Yeah, like you you nailed that. I can see if one of my mid prices in defence sucks, I can just like trade them, move a constable up, and then get Callahan if he's on fire. Like you can manoeuvre it that way, but I'm not willing to take the risk on Sheed or Callahan. I'd much rather be safe and. Just go with the crowd. Um, you know, sometimes in Supercoach, just not having a what, – what is it? Countering the guy that's in everyone's team by just having him is sometimes mm. just smarter to do. I definitely agree with that. I think there's there's room for a pod, and you do win, obviously, by scoring the most points. But there's a time and a place for trying to get an edge on, on everybody. As we said earlier, you can – get in a situation where you're stuck with a reverse POD essentially and you're just essentially barracking against them and 60% of the competition every week and it's you can probably afford a couple of those but too many and you start you start tipping the balance of power probably out of your out of your favor I think and yeah it's like- definitely one that's definitely one to miss in lieu of Ashcroft the, the probably the funnest thing in Supercoach is barracking for your pod, but the worst thing in Supercoach is sitting there and like barracking against the guy that's in eighty percent of teams and he's just one fifty every single week. Oh, it's so bad. But uh, um, let's get into everyone's favorite part of Supercoach this year: the ruck line. Oh yeah, um, oh. I've seen so many different things. Like there's people that are sticking with Gone and Grundy. There's people that are going with Wits. Um, there's people with me, I have Tim English and Rowan Marshall. Um, there's people with Sean Darcy. There's the Mark Blixav's people. There's people that are just fading it completely, going to like Darcy Cameron. Um, people with Radicalia, um, the port guy, Tickle. There's people rolling with everything, which is good. But, um, yeah, for me, I've got English and sexy Rowan Marshall. Um you said you had Grundy, and who are you pairing him with? So at the moment, I'm Grundy and also well and truly on the sexy Rowan train. I think the rucks this year, I don't know if I'd call it exciting. I do think it's, I think it's probably more frustrating than exciting, to be honest with you. But it's, it is something different, which is always, it's probably been a little bit overdue, especially super coach wise. It's very much been the Gorn Grundy show. And if you maybe were brave enough to pick, Darcy or start Pruce on field last year. Probably the only real deviation from that in the last certainly three years. But yeah, I think it's it's gonna be an interesting one. Nobody, as you said, really seems to have any have any clue. There were only two rucks with more than twenty-three percent ownership in the entire competition. One of those being our one oh two K Giants rookie who's broken his foot and won't be playing this year. Uh, certainly not to mid-season. So it seems sexy Rowan is the, the consensus pick. Obviously, Paddy Ryder retired well and truly the number one ruck. I think for me, that's something I'm looking at. Uh, obviously, an injury history, a uh, pretty bad one. Seems to miss a hell of a lot of games, but did screw me over a bit last year when he came back and started pumping out tons, and I seemed to be the only one who didn't have him. Um, but yeah, 44% of the competition, 500K, seems like a pretty... 
pretty solid pick at this stage. And then from there, it's very much, as we say, a mixed bag. I was a Darcy Cameron guy originally when I made first couple of drafts of the team. Just don't know how that's going to work. Need to see what the balance is going to be uh, regarding the ruck split, whether firstly whether Cox is named and just being named in general is going to be a big red flag for how much of the split he gets. And then obviously going to need to watch him in the preseason, see less about how he performs. We know he did it last year, went in the ruck, averaged close enough to the ton uh, and performed all right. But without those, without the number one ruck role, certainly in the ruck, I think he's a big, he's a big gamble, especially being, what's that? 35, 45K, essentially. Give or take a few thousand away from Grundy. I think he's a, a far better pick given the vibe seems to be Max is going to be playing a lot more a lot more forward and obviously we know he gets behind the ball as well. Uh, I think Grundy's a far a far inferior forward to Gorn. And so if you're comparing what's going to get the maximum benefit for the D's, it's going to be having him doing the majority of the ruck work. I certainly don't think he's going to hit the heights of previous seasons, but he also happens to be, what's that, 70K cheaper than Tim English. And without the, apart from last year, without the injury history. So interesting. Haven't fully finalised this one yet. But as you say, Wits, sort of, again, came out of nowhere last year to, to really be the guy that we all either wished we had or had to scramble to, to get in. But I don't, yeah, I'm not 100% sold on it yet. Obviously, sole ruck. So a good start, but at 600K, it's a lot of money to invest in, in, in an aging ruckman, especially when you've got guys like Grundy, who we know are proven performers, albeit slightly different roles, different teams, different ruck splits. But for 100K cheaper, I think there are better things that you can do with, with that money. One that's come out of the weekend has been uh, Radigalia for the Cats. He's been playing that, obviously, that role change. One of the things that we look at for guys that potentially, well, it would be a breakout in his case, given he's never really done anything on WWE relevant super coach wise anyway. Playing that new role down back, and especially with Jack Henry breaking his leg and being out for an extended period as a guy at 123K, or sorry, 174K. Um, could be one to look at. I don't know if I'd start him in the rucks, given he's got forward status. He might be one we can touch on a little bit later. But as for the rest of them, I think it's it's almost pardon me a no go. It's Draper, fun player to watch, cult hero, but super coach wise, average of seventy two, played every game last year, possibly the most unco bloke in football. And I don't think he's going to get enough. I don't think he's going to get enough points outside of the ruck line to be to be a top pick this year. I do expect him to improve on that 72, but not at the level that we need him to. Going down the list of ownership percentages, you're dropping into very much almost single digits here. Lachlan McAndrew, 12% ownership. Rugby convert for the Swans, who can't seem to buy anybody over 200 centimetres at this point. But well and truly uh, very raw. I don't see him doing much around uh, around the ground either. And then from there, it's your Jacksons, your Darcy's, who, to be honest, just look like they're going to take points off each other. Um, saw a stat during the week. Luke Jackson, one of the top, I think it was top five for points scored per 100 minutes in the ruck. But if you're not playing 100 minutes in the ruck per week, those stats mean pretty much fuck all in my books. So, yeah, well, let's quickly just go through it, James. Because um, there's a lot of ways you could do this. Um, you know, Max gone, too pricey, I think. If he's out, like, we'll just put a line through him. Um, too pricey for what he's going to do, I think, at this stage and how much ruck time he's going to get. Yeah, see, that that's the thing why I'm just staying away from Grundy is because I just feel like it's going to be a split between them two, but Grundy is good enough and probably cheap enough at his price point to still produce. Um, Jared Witts, do you think that's a good pick or not? 
I'll be honest, I haven't considered him at any point, but that's not to say that you shouldn't. I think he's... I don't know. He's certainly one that could just carry straight on from where he was last year. Um, 110 average. Second highest averaging Ruckman behind Gorney, who we know in all likelihood won't do that this year, splitting the Ruck. Although, did do that with Jackson last year, but obviously as the number one Ruck last year and won't be at least in the Ruck role this year. So I think it... I don't know. I wouldn't begrudge anyone picking wits, but I think it's a lot of money to have invested so, for example, you look at this, he's got 6.4 more points a game than Grundy, but he's almost 100k more. I think if you expend that 100k somewhere else on your field, you're going to find that you're going to get more than six points benefit out of it, would be my would be my hot take on, on that one. I think if you've got the cash, if you've got a certain structure that doesn't spend a heap of money in other places, if you've got some of the cheaper mids, um, you know, no Clary, no Laird, maybe even no Neil. If you've got a McRae, Steel, Brayshaw sort of operators, could be a place where you spend a bit more money. But personally, at this stage, not for me. Yeah, um, I like Tim English, so we won't go through there. I think, as you said, he's very injury prone, but um, he does have a really high ceiling, like almost like no other at the minute. Um and, you know, obviously he wears I'm, the red, white, and blue. So that's why I'm all in. I'm inclined to agree with that. I know mean, I did start with him in the team. It's just that scare that he had coming off the track. I think it was a couple of weeks ago now. It's just sort of a sort of a painful reminder that at any point his, his hammy could just go again. Uh, it seemed very minor, but. I don't know. It's the injuries, and obviously Marshall injury prone as well. But again, it's a case of money. He's seventy five k more expensive, and it's just can you? Although he is one where the ceiling does sort of allow you to go. Right, is that potential point difference going to be worth it? But I think that's a decision for each individual based on their based on their structure. But he definitely does have the potential to to go crazy again. But I think I'll watch him in. Watch him on the weekend, see how he moves and go from there. He was the the one guy last year that I didn't start. I was tossing up about it and then he went nuts and I just oh, just hated I hated that. Um Sean Darcy, not for me. Um big Riley, Sean, big, big no, Sean Darcy guy personally, at least I was last year. I can't remember if I actually ended up getting me in, but certainly wrestled with with that decision, it seems like every ruck we go through has an injury history at this point. There doesn't seem to be many of them that don't miss games. Um, Darcy, especially, started out last year as cold as anything, averaging 71 after the first four weeks, missing two games in that as well. But as we can see, the ceiling's there 178, albeit against North. But there's, you know, with four scores above 134, he's definitely. Definitely someone who can go big, but with Jackson coming in this year, I think it probably just takes, and on big money, it probably just takes a little bit too much out of him for for me to start with him. Yeah, well, do you like Luke Jackson as a pick? Because he's in, what, 8, 8% of teams, 465K. I mean, the price point's good, but as you said... It, it yeah. is. I don't know. He, again, seems like one of those players that's just really really exciting but seems to do it in flashes and be very like his big games are big but his low but his shit games are very much very much sort of hit and miss so if we go through this year he's only scored he only scored he only crossed the 100 mark for four times last year believe it or not um with a hell of a lot of a hell of a lot of low scores in there you can already see there's five or six of those under 60, under 65. So under 68, sorry. And so I think that's something to be wary of, obviously going into a team where it's hard to tell if he'll be the number one ruck. You think he might be purely based on how much they're paying him that they'll want to get want to get that out of him. It'll be interesting to see how, if he's not, they use him. I think He's got potential up for, but I certainly think he's more explosive in the ruck and around the ball. But obviously, with 
Sarong and Brayshaw, it's going to be going to be hard dodge either of those two from there. So it'd be interesting to see if they end up playing as a mid with Darcy, whether they play him by himself. But I think that's again something to keep a watch on in this in this preseason game. But yeah, a little bit too much variance in scoring for me at the moment. But wouldn't surprise me at all if he if he broke out. And another guy with forward status as well, which we should mention that you could potentially pivot to if a Rosie or one of your other forwards around that sort of 480 to 520 mark isn't really performing. If you really wanted to be really wanted to be ballsy about it, you could potentially flip to flip to one of them. And I'm quickly just gonna rapid fire these names. Um just say fuck no or yes if you kind of like him. Uh Riley O'Brien, there's no way, right? Uh Nick Nat. Too injury prone. Too, too injury prone. Um, Toby Nankervis yeah. was, was fun three years ago, but no. Nah. Uh, Mark Blixavs, no thanks. Blixavs for me is one who just is, again, unbelievable at football, but somehow that doesn't translate to Supercoach. One of the only players really where who's not a key, well, he's a little bit of a key position defender. It seems like there's not much he can't do. On a football field, but yeah, not not at five, not more than Grundy, not at five thirty k. Also, very good at running. Shout out running. Um, shout out Blixard. Um, your boy, uh, Todd Goldstein. No way, too old. Probably going to be a pass on that. Yeah. And then there's Bruce. Wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. Asking me. Yeah. So, so funny you mention Prucey. He's. He's an interesting one, I think. At 500k, certainly not, certainly not cheap. But if he's the number one ruck, there's an argument to be made about potentially having a a really rogue go on uh, on Prusy. But mm, I don't know. It's very much would be a very ballsy call. He had a very injury interrupted and just generally shit finish to well last two thirds last year really. But before that, flying. But as we know, he's a guarantee to be, miss at least two or three games through the inevitable suspension that he's going to get. Um, don't really need to even ponder that one, I don't think. I'd be extremely surprised if he doesn't miss games through either suspension or injury, but could be one to just watch. Not saying pick him, but I'm excited about what he could potentially produce without the Cameron curse. He's already oh, sucking you in, James. Like, get Just get him out of there. He's... He's one that very much is just on the he's on the brain, but at seven k less than Grundy, unless the ruck split is horrendous with those two, I can't see me picking him over a Grundy type. One I want to throw at you is a Scott Lysette. Didn't really play last year. The only competition seems to be Bryn Teekel. Um, apart from Finn Layson, but obviously he's got a lot going on. I don't think football's really going to be too front of mind for him and obviously he can also play around the ground um but yeah Lysette coming back not the worst player in the world but I don't think I personally don't think I'd have him over any of the guys we've mentioned even with the 70-80k haircut but keen to hear what you think on that yeah uh I mean Finn Mason's hurt himself I'm pretty sure but um so that is why the Tickle and Lysette hype is He's growing, but for me, nah. I don't, he's just he's just not very good, like personally. Um, I you know if you want to risk it, it is a risk that I like that risk more than a I don't know a Riley O'Brien risk, I guess, for the price point. But um, no, I think just to sum up the rocks, I think you have to pick out of Wits English. Um, Grundy, Marsh, Marshall, you have to lock in, I think. And then it's one of Wits, English, um, Grundy, or a basement price guy. I'm not touching Draper, Lloyd Meek, Lysette. Um, yeah, is that is that how you feel? So, so I agree with the first three. And then, yeah, Sexy Rowan pretty much... I would have thought should be locked into 
to most teams. One I do like, actually, I didn't had him in draft last year, is Lloyd Meek. Um, looks looks like a player. Never really got a run at it at Frio. Uh, but unfortunately, it seems that they're going to persist with uh, keeping Ned Reeves in the team. Um, if he was solo rucking and killed it in the preseason, there was a decent chance that, again, maybe not pick him, but certainly have a, a serious consider of whether he was worth the worth a go but yeah with the ruck split probably not what I'm looking at I think yeah as you said it's a pick between the well almost the top two three and four and then sexy Rowan being the number one that really should be locked into most people's teams on Tickle I think watching him play last year I don't think there's any real point in picking him especially not at 198k there's certainly better places to to spend that money I think yeah agree. um that's pretty yep. much everybody, I think. I don't have the the penis size to run with like Marshall and Teagle. Like that's way too scary. I would not be doing that. But if you want to, I'm not showing you away. If you can use the money to really, you know, strengthen another another line, you think Teagle will be a better rookie than say, I don't know, a, an F six or an F or a D six on field? Then you know the logic is there. But um. Yeah, a bit ballsy for me. I just put, as Witty said, is it Nick Madden from the Giants? Just loophole. Loopholes are really valuable. Um, obviously, two shots of your captain's score is, is huge. But let's get into the forward line. And a lot. It, it, the main structure I'm seeing is the four big guns. And then, you know, your, your mid-price, uh, your kind of high-inflated-price rookies. And then just two guys on the bench. Um, so what I'm rolling with, Witty, is Dunkley, Cogs, Rosie, Taranto, which I've seen that a lot. And then Toby McLean and Radaglia at F5 and F6. And then on my bench, I just have uh, the Hawks guy, Green. Is it Fergus Green? Yeah, Fergus yeah, Green. Fergus and, then, and then Alan Davey from the... The dance, so that that's my forward line. Um, yeah, I mean Dunkley picks himself. Don't really need to talk about that. Canelio's like, I don't know. I hate him, but I kind of like him too. Um, he didn't play in the GWS. Um, what are they calling him? Match him because I don't know if he's resting or if he's got a niggle or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, he's really good. He really scores a lot of points when he plays, and I think. At, he's kind of underpriced for what he can do, so I really like him there. Um, I think, um, I think for me, he was one I didn't have in originally, and then realised how how silly that was. It seemed that him and him and our mate Leon didn't uh, didn't have the greatest relationship, especially in that last couple of years. And noticed obviously after the buy, after I traded him out, funnily enough. He just went haywire, especially after Cameron fucked off. So he, for me, is locked into my locked into my team, um, especially as a forward. I think there's there's no question about that. And Dunkley, yet yeah, no no discussion needed on that one. But with Rosie, another one I've got. I think full midfield time. If he's got if he's built the tank for it, which from all reports, which you know you can take with a grain of salt, but certainly seems to. Seems to be leaning that way and obviously massive ceiling. And at 513k, it's not the worst pick just generally. Um, I think the other guys are all more expensive than that and definitely arguably are worse picks in terms of Tom Lynch not touching, Hawkins not touching, Dylan Moore not touching. Butters injured again, otherwise would be more of a consideration. Heaney certainly not touching at 550k. Um, burnt me too many times, but certainly a guy that if he drops could look to get in, but at 6% ownership, probably not a guy I'm looking at either. Well, Another I think... Thing to mention. Yeah, no, I think... You, you go, sorry. No, I, th- I think you nailed it because it's like the forward line is kind of like Steve Bradbury at the Winter Olympics. It's like whoever's left standing and Heaney, no, Butters, no, Dylan Moore, no, Hawk, like key forwards, no. And then the ones that are left, they're kind of like Dunkley, Cogs, Rosie, Taranto. And you see that with yeah. your ownership percentage. So I think, I think, do you have all four or do you only have 
three premiums right now? Or? So I am, I'm an avid, uh, like, don't get me wrong, handsome guy, seems like a good bloke, hand, uh, sorry, hands up, avid Tim Taranto supercoach hater. I think that the bloke couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat uh, by foot and that that's not going to change in his move down south to the superior state. Um, it's a big fade for me. It's the only one I'm worried about, 52% of teams. So that might, I might, I might have to uh, swallow my pride and give him the, give him the late call up at some stage. Don't quite know how that would work structure wise, but for me, I, it's a better role, but I don't know if he, I do think he's a decent, very decent chance of being a top six, definitely top eight forward. But I think he's one that you can get in later in the year. I think he's inevitably going to have a game where nothing hits by foot, scores 70, and the price just plummets personally. But I don't know. I'm just, I, can't, I find it hard to get around blokes with a history of just not being able to kick, especially in Supercoach where accuracy and disposal efficiency is everything. And even looking at the scores from last year, 63, 69, 56, 72, 71, there's enough, there's enough variance in there where I think that you can probably pick him up for, for a bit cheaper. Like if you look between round five and round nine last year, he's dropped, what's that? Out 78, 77K. And within that, there's still an 84 and a 97 and a 92. So it's not gonna it's not gonna take much for that price to to dip lower to something manageable. I think Rosie's got a lot more potential. I think it was mainly opportunity limiting him as opposed to a lack of as opposed to a skill deficiency, which I think is the bigger I think is the bigger thing for to be worried about when it comes to Taranto. I think obviously he will get more midfield time, less of the pie to share, but it's still broadly the same that he was doing at GWS, whereas I think Rosie's well and truly shown last year that if given midfield time, he can he can go bonkers. Big ceiling too. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't love Taranto. I'm kind of just following the crowd because I saw the ownership, ownership percentage and kind of got scared. Um, I'm happy to fade him with you. If you want to, if you want to declare that on the podcast that we just hate Tim Taranto and we get rid of him, but it's just a it's a daunting percentage. But um, let's get into the mid prices, Witty. Um, there's a lot of North, so there's Nat Fife, obviously is the big one, and then there's Cunnington, Zebel, um, Jason Horn, Francis is in fifteen percent of teams. That is crazy. Um, Oscar I Allen, I don't. I personally don't think you could pay me to pick him, not going to lie. Um, he'd, he'd probably have to average 150 across the first two weeks for me to even consider that, to be honest. I am a very much a keep emotion out of Supercoach, but I don't, again, he'd have to do a hell of a lot to get into to get into my team. Yeah, and then, and then there's Oscar Allen, Ben King, Toby McLean, shout out the dogs. Um, Harry Shazil, don't know how much you know about that guy from North. Um, he's in so a lot of teams. So that'd be that'd be Harry Sheasel to you. He's going to be an absolute superstar. But at this stage, I've gone purely as fillers, primarily one one twenty three, one seventeen k rookies. But if he comes out again and backs up the form that he laid out last week, and then obviously depending on who's named and who's not, it's going to be hard to leave him. Hard to leave him out of the side. Might just have to move some money around. Uh, potentially piss off Radigalia if he sort of the clock strikes midnight and he turns back into what he's done for the last few seasons. But certainly could be certainly could be a move uh, to swap those two. Going on the sort of the isn't really a mid pricer, but Harry Himmelberg, another one to look at. I gave him no, I didn't give him the time of day last year uh, when everyone was sort of, him and Darcy Cameron faded both of them massively and they cost me big time in the second half of last year. I feel like it's, I feel like reading the reports that are coming out of GWS, it seems like Kingsley wants him 
to play forward. And I think if that's the case, then he's a massive no-go for me personally. But if he starts this week in defence and is named in defence week one, I think he's certainly somebody that you can look at, you know, average piles and piles after the bye last year. And I think would definitely be one that's definitely be one to have a look at. Yeah, and the others I said, I don't... I mean, you're the North guy, but I don't think Zeeble or Cunnington are good picks. Um, Ned Flanders from the Gold Coast, I don't like him either. I know his name's really? Sam. I, I, um, don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind Flanders. It's another high draft pick, which I always like. It's you know shows that at least at one point in their life they've been able to excel, at least to match up against the blokes that they were with, although you can sort of say that about most draft picks, but I don't know, Flanders is a watch for me, but at 256k, he's a lot. It's a big investment to make. You'd be wanting to, you know, he's got to get up to at least what's that, 406k to be making our 150 that you sort of think, sort of think a trade's worth. So I don't think at his price, he's somebody I'm looking at. Zeeble, funnily enough, when I got the news that he was going back to defense, we actually went straight into my team, you know, the forward line. But after watching last week with the changes in our, game style, I don't think it's going to be the same chip, chip, 30 shit uncontested touches that gets him up to 100, whatever. I don't think that's going to be happening this year. And it's probably best from a North perspective that that doesn't happen this year. Um, give him another watch. And again, if he starts hot, could be somebody that you swing a few magnets around to try and get him. But not at this stage, Cunnington... I love Ben Cunnington, unashamed Ben Cunnington guy, but I don't. I think he's an awkward price as much as anything else um, for a guy that like, played two games last year. But I don't think, you know, wouldn't really be reading too much into him playing the last two games of the season after literally having cancer. So I think he's probably priced a bit too high to sort of take that punt. But you know, got pedigree, like especially back end of twenty twenty one when he was before he got injured when he was going crazy, I think, you know, average of 108. So if he's if he's showing that there's something there, I certainly think that he certainly think that he could be one to have a look at. But again, a lot of injury history. Hasn't played a lot of football uh in the last three years really. He's got a combined what's that, twenty games in the last three years and fifteen of those are in one season. So I think there's there's enough scope to sort of aid him, at least to start with. Did you know he grew up on dairy farm? <laughs> I, honestly, that, that surprises me more than, you know, working out at Pendles as a basketball background. I honestly don't know which one I've, which one I've heard more as a North supporter. Um, um, last person yeah. we're going to talk about today, Woody, Nat Fife. I feel like he's the biggest um, big go and whatnot, two-time Brownlow medalist, you get him in the forward line for 313k. I'm not doing it. He played a lot forward in their uh, practice game. And he's very injury prone. Like, he's so beautiful and he's so good at football, but I just, I'm not doing it. Are you, are you doing it? Personally, I think I'm potentially even more of a Nat for potentially even more in love with Nat Fife than you are, but it's, you know, and it pains me to say, but no, it's certainly not at this stage. I think he's certainly going to outperform his price point. I think that's an important thing to get out of the way to start off with. But I don't think he's averaging the, let's have a look here. So the top six forwards last year, we'll go by points and average. So we would have had to average... What's that? 94 to get it last year. And this list doesn't include those that got DPP and now lost it a la Bond. So really, it's probably more like 96. Don't know if he's doing that playing as a stay-at-home forward, um, but certainly could. I think the other thing to consider is that that might be more likely than him not missing a game. And I think it's almost certain that at some point he's going he's gonna to break down. Um, hasn't been able to stay in the park for as long as I can remember now. Uh, basically, since I think that that Brownlow year, he's just missed. Despite averaging well in those years, he's just missed games consistently. And so I don't think that that's 
especially if you're starting. I think it's him or Elliot Yo. I don't think you can play both of them. Um, could be like last year, though, where we had all the mid prices and they pretty much three out of four of them, I think, off the top of my head, maybe more than that went crazy. I think there's scope to bring him in, but I don't think with their guess with both of them being so injury prone and not just role changes like Hewitt last year, for example, I don't quite think there's there's scope to start both of them. At this stage I'm starting with Yo, but I think we'll we'll just see on that one. Yeah, shout out Will Brody. What a pick he was last year. Um oh, that's 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 the other one I was thinking of, Will Brody. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna miss having him just rack up handballs upon handballs upon handballs in my forward line off the line. But man was yeah, a king. Shout out Will Brody. Absolute king. Um yeah, so I think you go the four premiums we mentioned, or you know, three of them if you like James, because he hates Tim Taranto. Can't wait for that uh, rivalry to keep going on the podcast. That'd be fun. And then just you. Yeah. I can I can see myself I can see myself either gloating massively or just absolutely eating my words and not being able to get him within or oh, at least four weeks. I don't reckon it'll take any longer than that to work out whether I've big brained or royally screwed up, but we shall see. Yeah, and then combine them with Toby McLean and the rookies that we mentioned. But Witty, thanks for coming. Your uh, debut on the Fantasy Addicts podcast. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining me. Uh, can't wait to talk Supercoach again. Uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, it's good to good to get back into it. Obviously, fantasy being done for a while now. Um, and this, you know, no secret, this is my my sort of preferred avenue as opposed to everybody else. Happy to be unpopular in that regard, but yeah, it's been fun. Should be, should be an exciting season. I think we're, we're getting sort of more back towards the guns and rookies that we grew up with, with a few, a few mid prices in there, but certainly nothing like the madness of the last two years where it seemed to be everybody that we picked had the potential to go through more bus, but yeah, keen to do this again. Should Hopefully try and catch up again uh, after the next round of practice games. But Yeah, we'll just we'll jump on, give our ranks out, how our teams are going, and hopefully one of us wins the 50K. It'd be awesome. But, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully the players that we mentioned will help you win the 50K. And uh, talk to you next time, Woody.